0: Hello, I am that Williams guy here once again for first person safety. And joining me in a moment will be Spencer Keepers. And Spencer will introduce himself at that time. But first, I need to respond to a couple of things that uh, uh, I'll respond to some comments about a previous episode. Brian Eastridge and I did an episode here a couple of weeks ago called Things uh, More Important Than a Subsecond Draw. And that has generated some commentary most of it has been very 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 um very well done commentary i very much appreciate it as does brian we enjoy the, the conversations that are taking place but there are a few people who quite frankly have assigned things to brian that neither one of us said and they've assigned those things to us and then they're commenting on the things that they're saying we said that we didn't so first i want to clear up the fact that neither brian and i Said anything that's even remotely close to skills not important. And we said nothing about competition. Brian is actually uh, has an NRA distinguished rating, which you can only get through competition. So obviously, he's not anti competition. Uh, I don't shoot matches much anymore just because I don't have time. But, uh, you know, neither one of us is against competi- competitive shooting. And uh, we're also. Neither one of us is against skill. Um, Now, one of the the commenters that, uh, quite frankly, has completely missing the boat of what we said has made the statement of, if you don't have a sub-second draw, then you're not qualified to comment on skill. Uh, So let's talk about skill for a moment. Well, um, this is an advanced rating pin from the Rogers Shooting School in L.A.J. Georgia. It's mine. I earned it. This is one, just one of the belt buckles that I have earned from Dave Spaldy handgun combatos. I think he has given like 34, 35 of these. I have two of them. This is one of my casino coins from Tom Givens. One of them, I have more than one. Now, I'm only going to use this next example as something illustrative, it is not negative in any means uh, about the individual that I'm going to use as the example. Mr. Tim Heron is a grandmaster shooter. He has won multiple USPSA championships. Uh, I don't know Tim, I have met him. But by all accounts, he is a phenomenal shooter, phenomenal instructor, and a pretty good dude. And he was very nice the day I met him. Tim attended the Rangemaster uh, instructor class. Tim did not win the Top Gun Award. A B-class cop won the Top Gun Award. Now, I was not in that class, but I have taken the Range Master instructor class. And here is my Top Gun Award in a frame given to me by Tom Givens. Now, let me bring up my screen here for a second, my other screen. We have referenced this chart in a previous episode. Um, Spencer, are you seeing the chart? Uh, Yes, sir. All right. We have referenced this chart in a previous episode that John Hearn and I did on building motor programs. And we're going to look at this chart. If you look all the way to the right, um there's a line there that says you know basically at this skill level it'll be impossible to achieve without having reached a level of automaticity with a pistol so let's go down this chart uh a clean l pres in under eight seconds now i have not shot a clean l pres in under eight seconds but i did shoot one administered by mr ken hackathorn in a class in which mr hackathorn set it up the way that colonel cooper originally devised the drill which is different than the way it's run a lot of times uh, but he set it up that he said according to colonel cooper's standards and mr hackathorn said that if you could shoot this in under 10 seconds you will quote shit hot now i shot it in i think nine ten, completely clean on uspsa targets uh, I have never shot the FAM, so I can't comment on that. The casino drill, the line runs through the 15-second mark. Uh, I have multiple casino coins. I just showed you one of them. I have in class twice been down in you know in the 13s, and in a practice session, I've gotten into the 12s. So I'm clearly to the right of that standard. Uh, FBI bullseye at 280. And above would be impossible to do without automaticity, according to this chart. Uh, I shot a 284 on that in an advanced class with it administered by Tom Givens. I shot above a 280 in the FBI instructor class administered by the FBI. All right. Uh, USPSA Master, I've never shot a USPSA club match. I don't know where I would be in that. Uh, Fast. I don't regularly shoot the fast test uh, because I just, why would I have my pistol in my holster with only two rounds in it? So I don't shoot it a lot. However, I do understand that Todd Green invented that test to test multiple skills. Uh, with John Hearn running the timer, I shot it in a little over five seconds. I think a 534 or something like that uh, was the last time I've actually really shot that for any kind of score. Uh, Bill Drill, looks like about 1.75 is that i'm probably closer to the two maybe a little over two level in that uh, failure drill 1.5 i've actually got a video planned on the failure drill uh, two to the body one of the head as fast as you can do it is not a failure drill it's two to the body one of the head as fast as you can do it i think the fastest i've ever done that's like a 17 something all right. And then IDPA master, it's going to depend on which rule set that you go by. And when you shot it, I do have a, one IDPA master classification, but I don't really consider myself a master. I'm probably on the expert master line. And that's just on the classifier. I don't compete that well because it takes a calendar to time me running, not a stopwatch. All right. Spencer, we back to the full screen with menu again? Yes, sir. Folks, I I apologize for going on that rant, but I did not want to chase people around the internet responding to all the sniping that's going on. But there it is. You decide for yourself whether or not my skill level is adequate enough for me to comment on skill. Now, I want you to look back and think about that chart that was just up on the screen that all measures technical shooting skill. Nothing on that chart qualifies an individual to testify in court as an expert witness as to the legality and constitutionality of a use of force. I'm a federally certified use of force instructor, and I have testified in court as an expert witness to decide whether or not I am qualified to speak on use of force issues. And with that,
1: Spencer, how you doing, bud? Hey, brother, doing good this morning. Uh, Looking forward to this.
0: Uh, tell everyone about yourself real quick.
1: Uh, so, uh, again, Spencer Keepers, uh, I uh, I have been a lifelong student of the gun uh, to to some degree. You know, uh, I was uh, I was raised around guns. I have hunted all my life. I think the the first hunting trip that I was taken on, I was eighteen months old. Um, that probably had a lot to do with just getting, uh, me away from my mother for a while. (laughs) Um, and, uh, so, you know, I, uh, you know, I grew up in that context. I've worked in the gun shop, uh, slash pawn shop. And I was the guy that thought I knew everything about guns because I grew up around them. You know, you don't have to worry about me. been around Mm -hmm. guns all my life, which is the scariest thing a trainer can hear and uh uh, probably back about uh early 2007 i took my formal like beyond concealed carry class and i i had you know i had something that i had always wanted to do Uh, i took that literally hook line and sinker um uh and i devoted you know however long that's been now the last 14 something, some odd something years of my life to understanding what it meant to be a professional with a firearm. Uh, I I have carried a gun uh, since I got out of high school. Um, I hope the statutes of limitations have ran out on that. (laughs) Um, uh, You know, so I have a lot of experience of carrying a sealed a concealed handgun on my body uh and i think that's going to be relative to what we talk about today uh you know beyond that i have several instructor ratings uh i'm an instructor myself uh teach nationally across the country to some degree um uh, i am known as a good shooter whatever that means uh you know i'm expert on the fast uh I've got some casino coins. I've got, you know, I've, I've got a bunch of shooting accolades, you know. Um, I've done my uh, three-two-one 2 one drill in, in 2.16 seconds, uh, you know, which is uh, six rounds and, and two transitions in that. Uh, so it's pretty smoking hot speed. Uh, I shoot consistently, you know, in the high uh, 290s on a 300-point bullseye, uh, et cetera. So uh-huh. And I'm the founder of Keeper's Concealment. I started a holster company many, many years ago now because I couldn't get what I needed. Uh, And I have really kind of found my niche as the appendix guy, Uh, Masad Ayub wrote an article about me and said that I was a high priest and master of appendix carry. So I believe I'm a leader of a cult. (laughs) So... uh, Uh, So just quick, that's a little bit about me.
0: And the first time the Rangemaster TechCon did the 16-man shoot-off, Spencer was one of the two finalists he lost to Gabe White, who was one of only two individuals alive ever to have shot a perfect score at Rogers from concealment. Um, So Spencer's pretty doggone good. Uh, And
1: and you bring that up, and it pains me every time because we – That was a best three out of five. We were Mm -hmm. two versus two. And on the last round for the first time ever, I missed my cover garment going to the gun.
0: Right. Uh, So, wow, that sub-second draw didn't really do a whole lot of good for you in that one, did it?
1: It did not that day. (laughs) Or at least that time. It did the other two times, but not that one.
0: Oh, and and if it qualifies me to speak, I was in that 16-man shoot-off along with people like, I don't know, Ernest Langdon who, by the way, got eliminated in the first round of the 16-man shoot-off. I made it to the second round. Now, Ernest is a much better shooter than I am. I just bring that up for illustrative purposes because the internet is judging me, Spencer, and I, and I must point to every accolade that I can possibly come to.
1: Well, and, and here's another, here's another yeah. take on that is, uh, I guess, Cooper. Oh, and to- I did not eliminate
0: Langdon. Somebody else did.
1: Uh, um, if you go to the next year when that mm-hmm. happened, Several of the top five didn't even make it into the shootoff,
0: including the first year's winner.
1: Correct. Yeah, correct, and including the second year's backup. <laughs>
0: uh, uh, yeah, the guy that eliminated me from the shootoff that year, uh, I think lost in the semifinals of that match. He won the match this year, and he's the other guy that has shot a concealed uh, perfect score at Rogers.
1: Yes. Yes
0: all right so that's the kind of companies we're walking in here okay right. and, and again this is for the people that are judging us all right so uh spencer and i had a a conversation on friday on on the phone and we decided we would do this podcast episode to kind of address some of the things that are that are hot on the internet right now and just to kind of phrase you know codify some terms we're going to use technical for the pure you know, technical skill of shooting a firearm, and we're going to use application for the actual use of that firearm in a self-defense situation or a you know, law enforcement tactical sense, a military tactical sense, et cetera. So technical and application, and I, and I think I'm going to name this episode, where can technical and application get along? or something of that effect. Uh, Spencer, what thoughts you have to start us off with on that?
1: So, you know, it seems to be the buzz as of lately. And this is, Uh, you know, this was brought about by a Facebook post that I made of the sub-second draw versus decision-making skills. So Mm -hmm. technical versus application, right? And we all view things through the lens of our experience, Uh, so for me, I am very much a technical shooter and I teach technical shooting to its highest, essentially to its highest level from concealed carry. And and that's kind of my favorite. And if my forte, right, if you've got a guy that's got a 1.7 draw stroke from concealment, I'm the dude that likes to take that guy from one seven to sub second. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Now in that I've also got a big background uh, for a civilian. Now, a lot of this stuff is hard for a civilian to get uh, in really good force on force scenario training where the application of the firearm really comes into play Um, I did a class called EDP, uh, uh, basically every year it's been held except one, uh, until, you know, now the late William April has passed away, and that class was run by William, Tom, and Craig, Uh, William William April, Tom Gibbons, and Craig Douglas, Uh, and in that class you shot technical skills, you shot application skills in a force on force scenario uh, and then you listen to William talk about the mindset of you and criminals and etc. So that gave me quite a good lens to see where the technical side can blend into the application side and how as we talk about draw stroke specific stuff how i saw that there are only really two draw strokes that work Uh, there is as fast as you can get the gun into play now i'm going to say something that's probably going to take a lot of the internet into a tizzy the difference between a 1.1 1.2 draw stroke. And a 0.99.89 draw stroke in reality is meaningless. Yes, it is. It is it is literally meaningless because the, the typical human reaction time is a, as we know is about three tenths, right? Well, when you start adding things onto that reaction time it starts to increase. It starts to get into the half second to three quarter second time frame, right? So if by happenstance, I draw my gun in a very fast, robust manner and start applying hits to bad guy, he really can't make a difference in his response time between my one, two draw stroke and my 0.89 draw stroke. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so while a sub-second draw stroke is incredibly awesome, and I, I try my best to achieve that, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to have that to survive a lethal force encounter. The other draw stroke that I saw used time and time again, now mind you, I spent... I spent about four of those years being a role player where I was actively the bad guy. Um, and that was incredibly great because I learned a lot uh, from doing that on what actually works, right? Because uh, this, this was set up as about as realistic as you can get it, right? Um, when I would walk up and sneak up behind somebody and stick my gun in the back of their neck and say, give, you know, give me your shit, um, they really had a couple of options. They could try and fight out of that or they could comply. And the ones that would comply, start handing me their wallet, keys, whatever, and then surreptitiously draw their gun and start fooling me full of lead worked 100% of the time if they did it correctly. So that's why I really come down to there are two draws that work there's a get the gun out right freaking now. And there's some form of a stealth draw and anything in between those, if you hesitate, if you telegraph, if you do any of the picking that we call it, because um, one of the things the shooting community, especially the technical guys are horrible about is verbal agility in a leap of four situation which is where all the other guys that especially law enforcement that deal with people on a you know domestics on a day in day out basis you know you may get called to, how many domestic calls would you get called on in in an average day
0: oh gosh i hate to give a number and and that's going to be jurisdictionally uh specific Correct. uh i work in a in an in a, in a county in which we have a lot of upscale housing and a lot of rural housing uh there are no public housing uh complexes in my county there are not really many multi-family uh, multi housing complexes in my county so uh, i like to say that our houses are far enough off the road far enough apart well enough built that the neighbors don't hear the screaming so, so We don't get the level of domestics that, uh, that say somebody working in, you know, a typical city might get, uh, but we get, uh, quite a few a day,
1: quite a few a day. Yeah. Now, now let's compare that the verbal making skills from quite a make quite a few a day Mm -hmm. to the verbal agility skills of the average USPSA grandmaster, right? How many of those a day do you think they get? Probably
0: not any, unless they're also a cop.
1: Right. Probably not any. So that is something I think that we talk across.
0: Well, let let me, let me back up and rephrase that since it was couched as a domestic situation, yeah, going in to handle a domestic situation, you would only be doing that as a cop. But as a private citizen, you're going to interact with people all day long, and you right. could be you could interact with the guy that's that's furious at the fast food place, um, you know, because an order got messed up. We had a lady uh, get mad and throw marinara sauce at uh, the guy at Little Caesars the other day because she oh. got cold marinara instead of hot. So oh, okay. if you were a private citizen in that situation, you might would have to interact with that. So right. I do I do want to be, you know, across the board even with this.
1: Well, and that's true. And that's and that's a and that's a great point because mm-hmm. um we do need to be able to handle those situations, you know. Right. I, I I I was out for a walk with with Cooper sitting here in my lap last night and uh there were two people out in the park that I lived nearby, you know, shouting obscenities at one another from you know, ten ten yards apart. And uh you know, I was just like, oh gosh, I don't have to, I hope I don't have to get involved in this, you know, just, I just want to walk my dog and go home. Um, but the, the, the more of those situations that you can get involved in, especially in a a good written force on force scenario, the better and the faster your mind can think through those things. Um, the less you really have to, to the less you have to really decide to depend on the gun. And and I see that from a lot of technical shooters is that that gun is a solution to their problem where in, in a event where you don't know if the person is a shoot yet or not, the most important thing you can have is verbal agility and awareness.
0: Right. Uh, and the difference one there, too, is that you as a private citizen had the option to turn around and walk away or to cross to the other side of the road and continue on down the road. Whereas if I was working and I came along that, I would be obligated to go make contact with that situation. Right. And that's where I would be forced to use that verbal agility. Um, and so I, I will add that I do think there is a third draw, and that would be a draw to ready with verbal commands.
1: And I would agree with that 100%, 100%. It, right. I, I guess where I was breaking down was um, you've made a conscious decision to shoot. Yeah. And those are two of the shoot draws. Right. Uh, there absolutely is a, an incredibly beneficial uh, draw to a strong verbal command. Right. Tom, Tom Gibbons said at one point in time years ago in my learning is uh, criminals are not afraid of guns. They are afraid of people that are determined to use
0: guns. If, if you read Scotty Reitz's writings, and if you don't know who Scotty Reitz is, so Scotty is a retired LAPD guy. I do believe, and I'm, I'm just going on memory here, five on-duty shootings. And yeah, Scotty writes about and talks about a good draw to a ready where verbal commands will very likely end a deadly force situation without having to actually use deadly force. Now, I don't see that happen on square ranges and matches. Right. I Right. I have my students practice that in my classes and in a graduation exercise that we do. I actually document that. Oh, nice. As part of, so if, if you have come to me for what I now call my pistol craft class, if you get involved in a situation and you draw to a ready position and give verbal commands, I can not only come in as an expert witness on your behalf and testify that I trained you to do that and trained you that the definition of a ready position is the hand is in your guns, you're prepared to act, but the muzzle is not covering the other person and i can and i had that documented in your training and that's the difference that you get in training from someone who understands the legality and the constitutional use of force issues from someone who is a high level technical shooter but doesn't know anything about the legal environment
1: yes yes and you know here interestingly it's just been a year or two ago that you could actually do that in Oklahoma and not commit a crime. Right. The way the Oklahoma statutes was originally written is if you draw your gun, you are actually legally ob- obligated to shoot hmm. the individual. Hmm. Now, <clears throat> as stupid as that is and I I've, yeah. I've been against that, you know, through the, you know, through the whole thing, uh, you know, cuz if you draw your gun and the dude turns and walks starts running away, it doesn't mean that you have to chase him down and shoot him. Right.
0: (laughs) Probably shouldn't. Probably shouldn't. (laughs) Well, I'm not even going to, I'm going to remove the qualifier. You shouldn't. Yes. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. Right. Um,
1: you know, but there again, when we talk about the, the, the ability to run the gun, um, you know, I'm not against people learning how to run the gun as fast and efficiently as they can. In in fact, that's what I teach, but it is a blending of the two skill sets and they're very different skill sets and you need both of them.
0: Um, I will actually assert that the better your technical skill, the better your decision-making is likely to be.
1: Uh, and I would agree with that. And, you know, that's one of the things that, uh, uh, you know, I, I can't tell you, I mean, I, I have, you know, this Lee, I, I've mm-hmm. trained with literally the proverbial who's, who's, uh, for, for many years, I hosted people. Um, and let's put a little, let's put a little number on that. <clears throat> um, I have typically hosted people at the Oklahoma City Gun Club for the, for the vast majority of time they charge a $20, $25 range fee per class to non-gun club members. Mm -hmm. I have raised over $10,000 in that endeavor. So you can do a little bit of quick math and realize Mm -hmm. that I've spent a lot of time doing that. Right. Right. Um, And, and, the 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 difference in that and and this is one of the things and i think we talked about this this may be as good as uh as any time to bring this up um the the average civilian needs to be a little conscious on who they receive their training from Right. right and um you know, it's completely different to take concealed carry training from a former, you know, SEAL team Delta Four super SAS guy um, that uh, has never really carried a concealed handgun in a civilian context versus taking a class from a guy that has you know 20 30 plus years of carrying a concealed handgun gun in a uh-huh. civilian context. Uh, I have seen some really um, uh, very, actually incredibly bad training from some of those super delta you know guys in a civilian context. Uh, and then I've seen some great training from them guys if, you know, if, uh, you think the, the apocalypse is coming and you want to learn how to run a carbine in a, uh, you know, very active war zone type environment. Uh, and that's all cool. And I think there's a place for that, but, uh, it's not, it's not the end all be all for civilian training. Right. So I would caution the listeners as of to who you really get your training from and not to buy into uh, uh, a lot of, I'm not saying none of it, but a lot of the, you know, super Delta ninja warriors teaching concealed carry.
0: Yeah. And with that, a lot of the technical shooters run back to this whole, well, Delta has been stagger on contract or, you know, this tier one unit brought in Rob Latham to teach them how to shoot. I know Jerry Barnhart was very, was very much in demand back in the day by such some of those units. Yeah. Do those units have those technical guy skills, teach them how to clear buildings or do they spend all that time on the square range learning technical skill?
1: And, and see, that's the thing, because I've trained with, you know, I've trained with the uh, great one, Rob Latham, a couple of times, mm-hmm. right? Uh, right. I, you know, I uh, actually have his phone number. We text randomly. Right. Uh, but there's a huge difference between the application of those skills. I teach very technical skills, right? Mm-hmm. But now, what I want the students to understand is now that I've taught you these technical skills, intergrain those skills into your tactics, your you know, your everyday life, etc. Because you have to have the blending of both. Because uh in a prior conversation you and I had, it's you know, both of us we talked about the first time that we put a sight on a human body and we both had different reactions to that. Mm-hmm. Uh and I and that's and that's a real thing and that but that's one thing that good force on force training and unfortunately <clears throat> there seems to be less and less of that on the market today but that's one thing good force on force training can kind of get you through right where you can actually really start to see the ramifications of just being a technical shooter because if you have a technical shooter that says uh, as, as we talked, you should clear your house with your finger on the trigger because it's faster. That is the recipe for the most disaster you could ever have. Yes. Uh, I, I have seen countless times, uh, <clears throat> you know, if we just talk about EDP, I figured up the math. I think it was 240 evolutions uh, that I have been through there uh, either as in the evolution, as a role player, as a student, or watching the other students do that scenario. Uh, and time and time and time again, I have watched a, a quote, police officer, badged, placard, run through a scenario And because he had a gun as his hand or a badge, get the living shit shot out of him by the role player who is a civilian. Now, the ramification of that in that scenario is don't do that. The ramification of that in real life is you are going to be sitting in prison for the next, I don't know how long would, would, you think a civilian would get uh, imprisonment for shooting a police officer in that context?
0: Minimum 20.
1: Minimum 20 years.
0: Yeah. Minimum 20 years. Two decades. I have personally put the front side on someone that had a cell phone in their hand instead of a pistol. Yeah. But thank goodness I didn't shoot.
1: Right. Now, right.
0: there's a lot of backstory to that situation. Um, the vehicle that this individual was in was described as being at the scene of a shooting earlier that night, like a couple of hours prior to that situation. Uh, and, and indeed, that vehicle had been at the scene. I ended up was responding to a fight call. And this vehicle is fleeing that scene. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's the vehicle from the shooting earlier in the night. I light it up. The individual jumps out of the passenger seat. I draw to ready with a verbal command. The individual did not immediately comply. And I'm going from ready to front sight, center mass of him, finger going to trigger when all of a sudden he decided, you know what that guy means that I better lay down. Yeah. Yeah and laid down and i did not shoot him
1: you know i i have talked to i don't want to put a a, like an exact number on it because Mm -hmm. i can't but i i bet in excess of 30 or 40 officers that have relayed that story Mm -hmm. and it hasn't been a time it's been a multiple times yeah um And, uh, you know, that's actually one of my affinities for the DASA handgun is, you know, a lot of those guns, a lot of those guys were actually running DASAs and they were halfway through the hammers, you know, the trigger stroke, Mm -hmm. watching the hammer fixing to fall when the dude
0: was like, oh, that guy means business. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Funny story on myself. Thank goodness I was shooting a Smith and Wesson forty oh six, or carrying a Smith and Wesson forty oh six on duty at the time. Um, I got out of my car and was out actually checking doors, and found a door with a damaged lock on a building containing a nursing school. Okay, and I pulled on the door, and the door opened, and rookie I went in without my back up there and I draw to ready and I start checking my surroundings and I start easing down this hallway I clear the doorway to the first room and it's fine I clear the doorway to the second room and there is the shape of a human being there and I flash up with the pistol my finger actually goes to the trigger and then I realize it's an anatomical mannequin (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, whoop, we're putting this back in the holster and we're going back to the front door waiting till my buddy gets here before we yeah. both of us go in here <laughs> Yeah, i'm done I'm <laughs> yeah we're gonna we're gonna rethink this situation yeah, yeah yeah and you know thank goodness it wasn't 1911 with four pound trigger finger on, on the trigger, trigger. trigger yeah doing that yeah. uh because yeah. that and,
1: and, and that's a great point where the technical shooters that are out there, God love them. And I, and I do, man, I'm, I'm all for those guys. Uh, but that may be a world they've never even thought of because they're viewing their shooting skills through the lens that they have. Right. Right. And there's a whole other world, you know, there's a whole other world out there. I've got a, I've got a friend of mine that does uh, some, uh, you know, real force-on-force role-playing in a in a very specialized training school that hosts some of the world's elite operators, you know. And they've got ARs and night vision and chem lights and you know all this stuff that you know I, I know very little about that world, and and, and I think that's so cool. But it's it's a whole other it's a whole other segment that most people will never go to, right? You know,
0: and situations can go from legally justified to use deadly force to not legally justified to use deadly force to back to being legally justified to use the deadly force, and then not. It's like a wheel rolling, right? You know, and it's, they can change so drastically and I've been in numerous situations where I was legally justified to draw my pistol and at the time I made the decision to draw the gun, at least three I was legally justified in using deadly force and some others that were like very iffy, but I was definitely legally justified in drawing my pistol and deploying and the situation changed before I got to full extension or broke a shot and I had to be able to stop. Right. All right. right. So in those situations change, there's a highly publicized shooting out of the LAPD that's working its way through the court systems right now that involves a competitive shooter, uh, Tony McBride. Um, She was involved in a shooting in which a suspect with a knife advanced towards her. Uh, She fired six rounds. I believe she got six hits. I know she fired six rounds. When the LA Police Commission reviewed her shooting, they said that the first four shots that she fired were legally justified and within policy. They're saying that shots five and six were not justified and were not within policy. And they ruled her shooting as an out-of-policy shooting, which is a big, big big deal deal. now the state's attorney general's office is investigating because the local district attorney recused themselves from it i have not seen a decision yet as to whether or not the case is going to be criminally prosecuted but she's facing you know the loss of her job and everything on the administrative side and we still have the criminal side hanging over her. and there is a lawsuit that has been filed by the family of the individual that she shot. Okay, and if the police commission has already said, "Well, we find this shooting to be out of policy," where do you think they're going to come down on the lawsuit side?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, wasn't isn't she a competitive shooter? Is that the yes, one? yes? Oh, okay, she's so she is a
0: competitive a, shooter. So, I, I, one of the things that's alleged in the lawsuit was that. Because of her competitive background, she's learned to shoot, you know, just basically burn targets down without thinking about it. Right. Uh, I, I've seen videos of her shooting in a quote, not necessarily matches, but like at Taryn Butler's place, running around shooting his steel. Uh, she's burning it down probably quarter of a second splits, maybe even faster than that. Right. In the video of her shooting, I have not timed them, but she looks like she's shooting in about a half second cadence. Very, very, very measured, very Very logical, very very controlled, very logical uh, in her shot, um, in her making of the shots. Um, And even that, and the first four, there's absolutely no doubt that they were legally justified. I think five and six, if I were testifying in the case, I would testify that they were. But I can see some room for argument on five and six but taking the totality of the circumstances, I think they are justified. All right. Yeah. She's already shot the guy with shots one and two. The guy goes down. He's attempting to get back up. She shoots him with shots three and four. And it looks like he's starting to try to get back up. She shoots him with shots five and six. And they're saying because he's still on the ground for shots, five and six of those shots were not justified. Well, what am I, what is she supposed to do? Let him get up and run at her with the knife.
1: Well, and you know, yeah. and that's, that is a perfect segue into the technical side of the guys. You know, um, you know, hey, I want to learn how to shoot fifteen splits, and uh, you know, dude, dude walks into my house. I have legal justification to shoot him, and I burn him down with ten rounds and fifteen splits, which takes you know a second and a half, roughly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you will probably be, probably be okay in that scenario, Um, but there's a huge difference in, in shooting. And this is something that I, that I try and teach in my classes is um, I want you to be able to run the gun as fast as you can so that you can actually understand what that what that is like mechanically right but when i start teaching um, you know le guys i've got a, a a federal level le class that i'm doing later this year i'm gonna have the guys do that and then i'm gonna have them throttle back and i'm gonna teach them literally you guys shouldn't be shooting much faster than three tenths second of splits um because you can make decisions roughly in that time timeframe. Um, and, you know, I can't tell you how many trainers I've had say the same thing and then quote guys that have been in shootings time and time and time again. Um, Cooper sounds like he's finally starting to wake up. <laughs> uh, uh, vicious, vicious, vicious dog he is. Yes. Uh, that uh that that's what they teach and that's what they do and they get some really good work done in that time frame now do i think there's a time for you know pointing the gun and getting the gun in front of your in front of your face and making the injection port open and stay open there probably is in some self self self-defense scenarios um but that may be very situational dependent on who's in that self-defense scenario and what it is
0: right um the average human reaction time to a known stimulus is a quarter of a second reaction time plus movement is response time so we usually incorrectly use the term reaction time when we should be talking about response time all right um one of the grandmaster shooters that was commenting and he's being, he's not one of the problem guys we're talking about, um, said that, well, I can process information in a quarter of a second. Yes. I absolutely do believe that you can process information in a quarter of a second. What I don't believe you can do is stop a shot that you've already started in a quarter of a second. Cause when you process that, because here's the thing you, for you to recognize that the situation has changed. It's at least a quarter of a second, probably longer because we don't know how to measure an unknown stimulus. Right. But at least a quarter of a second, but probably longer. It takes the same amount of time to stop an action that you've already started as it does to start an action because the the neurological chain there is the same. So if you're running along at quarter of a second or faster splits and the situation changes, you're probably not going to be able to stop shots that you are decided. Uh, the For Science Institute has done numerous studies of that, and that's where they determine like shots in the back are not necessarily an indicator of a bad shoot because at the time the shot was, this, you made the decision to shoot, the threat was either square or sideways to you, but by the time the whole neurological chain happened and the shot was actually fired, the suspect is also recognizing what's going on they've turned and the shot comes in the side of the back and you know they've proven that scientifically Uh, one of my guys who was a 1207 casino drill guy uh, one of our deputies was involved in a shooting
1: which which is fast for the people that don't understand that drill very
0: very fast um i think he's number three three or four um which by the way the top six are my guys, uh, with the exception of. Well, Kirk. I just,
1: I, I, I'll stop you right there. I just <laughs> wish that that yeah. a few of my casino drills very uh, early on yeah. would have actually been in the scoring. <laughs> uh,
0: with the exception, we started keeping track. <laughs> with the exception of Kirk who has tied for number one, and he's one of the two guys that has done. Roger from Cecil McLean. Uh,
1: Luckily, uh, I beat him in the. Uh, I'm going to brag just a second. I beat him in the 20-year anniversary. I actually took the top shot of that. Yeah. You know the reason I beat him in that drill? What's that? Because when he went to get his next seven-round mag, he drew a 17-round mag. <laughs> <laughs> and he just kept shooting to the point he was like, "Yeah." stopped and he was like, kind of looked at Tom and was like, uh, I don't know what to do.
0: <laughs> yeah, and in that match, I shot a 13-something casino drill, which is to the right that 15 second level on this chart by the way because we are having to qualify everything that we say right uh with our skill level for this one Uh, uh but anyway back back to the deputy shooting the 1207 casino drill guy um he fired four shots shot number one hits the guy guy immediately goes down shots two and three go over the guys he's following it's like a scene from the matrix He's fine. And then shot four, the deputy is attempting to pull off because he's realized the situation has changed and he fires shot four and it goes through a dresser. Okay. If your child is behind that guy, you sh- if they get shot by you or the bad guy, it's really not much difference other yeah. than the fact that well, you're gonna to have to there is a difference because you have to live with it, but they're right. still just as shot. Uh, now his splits in that sh- shooting, I'm sure if we went back and measured them probably down around quarter of a second
1: yeah yeah and, I, and I, that's and that's the point I, I want to talk to you just real quick yeah. you know we you talked about the grandmaster that says you know hey mm-hmm. I can make the distinguish between you know when a target is shootable and I can stop in a quarter second and I bet they can stop in faster than a quarter second and I have done drills where I mm-hmm. have done that but you, the, the listeners need to understand, <clears throat> to be a USPSA Grandmaster, especially on the guy that we're talking about,
0: mm-hmm.
1: he's not just a USPSA Grandmaster. He's a Grandmaster of the Grandmasters. Right. The things he can do with a handgun are not human right. in, any, in any standpoint. I mean, he can do things with a handgun. And again, we qualified me as a shooter. He can do things with a handgun that I can't comprehend. Right. Right. So it's a little, it's not a little bit. It's incredibly biased right. for him to say, hey, I can do this. So if I can do this, anybody can do this. And right. that is absolutely positively false right
0: Right. exactly
1: but but we as humans love to put our feelings our beliefs our abilities on other people Mm -hmm. you know i i you know i've had some you know i've had three joint replacements i've had 27 other surgeries roughly since then before then um you know i live with fibromyalgia And people say, well, you should be in jujitsu. Well, you know, my body just literally can't handle that. And they say, uh-huh. well, you just don't understand. No, you know, you really don't understand. Uh-huh. <laughs> <Right>? um, <clears throat> uh, nothing pains me more, really, than not being in jits because I loved it. Uh, and I hope someday maybe to get back to that. Uh-huh. Uh, but the notion that a grandmaster level can, can transition to say a no shoot target or a target that disappears or whatever, and process that information is completely irrelevant to the average, right. uh, The average cop, the average shooter, the average you know Joe Blow citizen, right. you know it it, it, it. it just is. So, yeah, and, and need to understand that,
0: right? And to quantify for, for those that aren't aren't familiar. I, if I understand the USPSA ranking system, to make Grand Master, you have to shoot at least within ninety five percent of whatever the best score on that particular classifier is.
1: I I, I do believe that is. And true.
0: then and then you have to have and shot that's at,
1: over a purity time. That's not right. just like a one off thing. Right. You've got to do that time and time and time again right. before you're promoted to the to the rank of Grand Master.
0: And, and I think you have to shoot at least six different classifiers before you actually earn a classification is that correctly
1: um you know something, you along, the, something along something those along lines.
0: those lines i, I right. can't quote that for sure but right yeah. so you are to get that level of grandmaster level shooting like I say you're making you're shooting at least 95 percent of the best score that's ever been shot on a whole range of drills and and
1: You know, you you could probably compare this to a master level golfer. Right. The grandmaster has his gun in his hands doing shooting or dry work or cleaning or manipulation countless hours a day. Right. Now let's transfer that to the average concealed carry holder who took a uh concealed carry class that last in in my state it lasted eight hours they had to shoot 50 rounds that's not for score all they literally have to do is demonstrate to me that they were quote safe gun handlers right Uh and that's it and then if they can do that i am obligated to write them a certificate that says they passed my class then they can turn that certificate in. Okay. Right. Now it's essentially in Oklahoma and, and, and mind you, I'm the strongest second amendment, second appendment. <laughs> That's Oklahoma word for amendment. <laughs> um, supporter that there is, you know, it, it, if you look at me as a, as a second amendment supporter, I literally think you should be able to take a fully auto short-barrel AR, put it on a single-point sling, walk through the airport, get on a plane, fly to Washington, D.C., and tour the the White House, and no one can say anything to you about it. Uh, As an instructor, (laughs) that's a completely different viewpoint, and you Mm -hmm. know this, right? Um, So it's a little bit... trying to think of a good word it it's a little bit wrong i'll just say it this way mm. it's a little bit wrong for the advanced level shooters to say some of the things that they're saying right right now should a person strive to be that yes i really i really do agree that you know um skill is important Skill is important. It's incredibly important, right? But so is decision-making verbal agility. Um, There's so much more that, you know, that goes into Mm -hmm. that. I, 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 uh, I sat with a good friend of ours, Greg Elifritz. It's been uh, several years ago now, unfortunately. Uh, I was taking a class at TDI with Greg's uh, permission. Uh, 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 a uh, um, active shooter killer response class right and during the evening greg and i were bunking together and and you know we were talking about he talked about going to the nti and in the nti he got in a shootout like every day Mm -hmm. where you know super special delta force you know CIA guy that you and I both know we both Mm -hmm. talked about this we both had conversations with him went through the entire week long or weekend long however long that was and never had to draw his gun because his verbal ability to get out of fights was so strong and in the conversation that night, Greg was like, you know what? That's really when I realized uh-huh. I want to be like that guy. Uh-huh. And I, I think that's like, if a civilian came to me today, or frankly, anyone, and said, the world is a dangerous place, and I need skills to protect me. The first thing that I would tell them is to learn verbal skills.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: not go get a gun yep. but the but the progression of mindset doesn't work and this is we've kind of weaved off into another area here but the progression of mindset that i see doesn't allow people to do that right they have been so integrated by society and tv and movies and media and they're you know parents and grandparents and everything something as bad is about to happen to you go buy a gun yeah or leave uh, yeah yeah <laughs> you know uh, you know obviously that yeah. yeah uh you know but but it's like it's like we can't get students to start with what is really important mm-hmm. unless that importancy is a gun we have right. to get them on that, and then we have to show them there is something other than that right. down the road.
0: And, and to back up for our audience for just a second, the NTI was a, an event that was put on, I believe it was in Pennsylvania by Skip and It was basically they built a mock town and had role players, and you entered with a SIM gun. And you were given tasks to do, like go to your lawyer's office and get a document signed, go get a prescription filled, whatever. And you had to go through this whole mock town and interact with these role players. And, you know, sure. and, and here's the thing. They had 60. a sheet.
1: Yeah. They were 60 role players in right. this village. So. Right
0: yeah and so you had to go through and deal with with all of those situations sometimes you were presented with shoot situations sometimes you're presented with no shoot situations so that's the environment that the guy that you know that we're in all of that was able to go through that because here's the thing everybody wants to go win their shootout and the when there's no repercussions 100 percent. when there's no repercussions now i have not been anywhere near the number of You know, high risk warrant services as a big city compass. All right, so you know, I don't have any number, anyone approaching Chuck Haggard who was on a SWAT team in a a major U.S. city executing, you know, high risk warrants. I have been on a number of them. Yeah, I've been on more than a few, but nothing approaching those those levels. I have never been on a high risk warrant that the people in the house that we entered were walking around with X's or guns painted on them to indicate whether they were shoots or no shoots. All right, I've never been in seen that happen. Uh, I've been to you know, a number of domestics, again, not like what a big city cop would go to, but probably more than the, the proverbial average person would have gone to. how many, How many domestic situations have you responded to that you weren't actually involved in, Spencer? Uh, let's see. Uh, let me think about that. That's a big zero. Right. So, so, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I have responded to domestic situations. None of those do the people have X's and guns painted on them or X's and knives to indicate, uh, or they're one color target for a shoot, one color target for a no shoot. Right. right. I've never been at the fuel pumps in a, at a gas station filling up. Oh, since I'm talking to an Oklahoma, the quick trip, you know, filling up and like everybody in the parking lot and everybody in the convenience store, you know, was designated as either a shooter or no shoot. Right. All right. But that's the world in which I carry a gun and the world in which I'm trying to teach people how to operate, to carry a gun. Now, it would be wrong of me to try to go coach USPSA masters and grandmasters on how to get better as technical shooters correct if matter of fact i use this phrase of the other day if i started trying to do that you should look at me with your head turned sideways like a dog that has heard a funny noise yeah yeah that same standard applies is if all your knowledge is in technical shooting don't be trying to give legal advice for carrying a gun 100%. or how or the application of the carrying of the gun
1: a hundred percent And, you know, this is something that you and I talked about offline is both camps need to really understand that we're on the same side. Oh, yeah, we are. And one has knowledge and the other one has knowledge. And instead of talking across one another and saying, well, if you can't this or you can't that or if you haven't this, is not helpful to our cause right our our cause is to have a well-trained well-regulated community that is armed that Uh understands its legal realities that are out there and i and i hate it i hate it when we start bickering amongst ourselves and you and right. I have talked about that right. right that's that's right that is just a you know the second amendment is for everyone right you know I you know I want my gay pot growing friends to be able to protect their pot <laughs> pot growing with a fire you know I mean yeah. you know to just to some degree right you know right. It's now medical marijuana in Oklahoma mm-hmm. um, you know so we have way more in common than we have against one another so let's just try and focus on that and make both sides better. Let's have, let's have the technical skill guys huh. teach us how to shoot. You know, let's teach, teach how, let's teach us how to shoot 99s on bullseyes or, you know, a two second build drill. And let's have the guys that have the, the, uh, the, you know, the people managing skills teach us
0: how to be better people managers. Right. You know, to go back to what you were saying at the beginning of this episode and to the whole crux of what Brian and I were trying to get across, we'll marry these two together here. There is a difference between a 225 draw and a 125 draw, a tremendous dr- difference, difference in skill. And skill. Huge, huge. There's not much difference between a 125 draw and a 100 draw in an application standpoint there's not all right and if if i can get you into that 125 130 even up as you know concealed carry 150 from a level from a level three retention duty holster if i've got guys at one six or one seven i'm actually kind of okay with that let's as long as you can maintain that let's go start working on some other things right all right. right I have, for the internet record, executed a .89 draw from a duty holster, and I have a grandmaster by the name of Eric Lund that will raise his right hand and testify and swear before Facebook that it happened. He saw it happen.
1: I want to train with that dude someday.
0: Okay, yeah, Eric saw it happen. He was there. Now. That was back when I was actually working consciously on my draw skills. I was actively shooting IDPA and some other things. And I could do that. I do not have a consistent draw even approaching that now. Uh, That same setup, I'm probably a 125 to 130 draw consistently with an accurate shot. Right. Right. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Uh, and, but but I've spent more time on my 25 yard shooting than I ever did back then. Now, and I shoot much more consistently from 25 yards than I did when I could pull off that 0.89 draw. And I would rather have in an ideal in an ideal world, yes, I could pull off the sub-second draw and have the 25 yard shooting
1: 100%.
0: And an ideal world, yes. But as long as I can maintain, say, that one, three draw, I'm happy to go work on other things. Right. And that's what Brian and I were trying to get across. Right. And, and you know,
1: you and I are in absolute agreements. Now, have, having said that, I will say this. I think there may be a little more emphasis for a concealed carry holder to have a faster draw than your average law enforcement officer, right? And and I base this on this is not all the time by any means, but I'll, some of the time. I'll just say some of the time, you guys go into situations with some knowledge of you know, hey. That's Joe Blow. He's got three felonies um, known to be armed, dangerous, you know, whatever. We go into the situation with literally zero knowledge as the situation outplays. Uh We can't introduce a firearm into the situation until we have, or at least you better, until you have a legal right to do so i have been threatened with a deadly weapon at that point in time i can introduce a firearm into it right so i think there may be a little more emphasis on a concealed carry holder to have a little faster draw stroke right now but again all those other factors play into that scenario you know if if i can talk dude down and get out of that scenario that man you win every gunfight you're not in
0: you know great you you just set me up for something right there without without knowing you were doing it and i'm going to agree with that point with the caveat of as a private citizen you should be watching and trying to recognize the situation so that you can leave okay uh i'm going to refer to him as gary g because i don't want to say his full name who he's an intel guy you know who i'm talking about
1: yeah, we've talked about him already and, yeah.
0: and, and many people in the application world know exactly who i'm talking about right now yeah. um, last saturday morning i had a phone conversation with, with gary and uh uh he wanted to ask about something law enforcement related that's why we had the call and we got on this topic of the whole sub-second draw thing and gary's point was if i recognize a situation four seconds ahead of time does that mean i have a negative four second draw
1: right 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 yeah and and and, and recognizing is cool um you know I, how do i how do i say this because
0: i agree with gary 100% mm-hmm.
1: right i mean I,
0: I and 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 for those that are watching and listening who don't know gary has been all over the world in situations that people like that august like cannot it, fathom the the
1: uh, the number when i talked to gary uh, uh i actually had lunch with him and got to see his office uh, a number of years ago, or a few years ago now, it's been, um, it, it, if you want to talk about, like, a been there, done that, like, just incredibly wrapped around national intelligence, uh, you know, the guy was was on the list of, of who figured out where Saddam was, you know, I mean, it, it, he's worked in the Middle East, all that, gary's own admission that he quit counting at about 80 gunfights that he had been in right um uh uh, there's a well-known fictional character that's been in a bunch of movies by an author that kind of duplicates gary's (laughs) life and i'll just leave it at that
0: i have often said that same thing
1: right right he's
0: married to a doctor and lives on the eastern shore (laughs) <laughs>
1: and his doctors his his wife's he, his wife is a doctor and his her friend is a good the wife of a an incredibly well-known author and a movie uh, critic and, and yeah and uh and we all know there's a guy out there in tv land that mimics gary's lives anyhow Mm -hmm. Uh, which i think is just so freaking cool right (laughs) um so you know for 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 him to say that you you've got to listen to that now the other side of that that i will say is uh i want to briefly talk about the security of ability Mm -hmm. okay and what i mean by that is this If you're a jujitsu black belt and you're walking the streets and let's say you're in a bar having a good time, having drinks with your buddies because that's what happens and you get the average, you know, drunken high testosterone male that starts the monkey dance with you there is absolutely no fear and no reservation in your heart about what is going to happen to the outcome of that fight right i mean unless unless you run into another black belt who happens to or you know maybe brown belt who happens Mm -hmm. to really be a good boxer that happens to have him in more fights than you etc um you know the average average which there's only like I think about 3000 mm. brazilian jiu-jitsu black belts in the world um the outcome of that fight is predetermined right <laughs> right you know if if uh, if dipshit runs into paul sharp uh, and starts issues with Paul. Paul's going to finish that, no questions asked. Or uh, uh, Susan. Or five. if you're, a,
0: or if you're an Oklahoma football player and your brother, and you start messing with two BJJ guys in a bathroom in a bar in Oklahoma City, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody right? pulls out a
1: cell phone and records that. Yeah, yeah. You know, but the the other side of that is, you know, say you're a concealed carry permit holder, and you have perfect use of your firearm under legal precedents and that you're okay to use that i mean you think about put this scenario out there you think about the dude that jacks gave wide up at a gas station with the brinko you know or norico mm-hmm. 25 or you know 32 um raven or something like that right Mm -hmm. the outcome of that fight's already determined
0: yeah
1: right so i think having that ability is is an assurance that gives you calmness that gives Mm -hmm. you the ability to look at other things because i've been in that scenario and i've talked my way out of it I didn't have to deploy the Glock 35 that was sitting, you know, that was strapped to my waist at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, So there is a thing to having that ability and that ability breeding confidence.
0: Right. Now with that, that, you know, putting Gabe in that situation provided Gabe sees the eye coming at him across the parking lot and recognizes the situation for what it is. Um, 100%, 100% uh i was in a scenic overlook alongside i-90 on the banks of the yellowstone river and got in a got braced by two guys in the scenic overlook now i had the technical skill right to take care of because here i am a guy driving a ford hybrid rental car <laughs> you know, taking pictures, <laughs> and, and they had no idea who it was they were walking up to in in this uh in this overlook and but i had been watching them the entire time and saw the exchanges back and forth between them and they keep looking in my direction and i simply thought you know that's what detective mcfadden saw those two guys doing in the terry versus ohio okay standing outside of the jewelry store before they went in to rob it you know because i'm sitting there looking at them they're doing the whole thing looking back and forth each other talking looking down where i'm at whatever and then they start across the parking lot of the scenic overlook towards me yeah and i just turned square to them and said no and that's all i said and they stopped hands up back back up to hey, the car, their car. <laughs> we now understand the rules of the game thank you for yep. explaining them to us yep and we don't want to play any longer yep right? yeah. yeah because i recognize that situation for what it was
1: right right
0: well ahead of the technical the need to use the technical skill that i have a hundred percent um you know uh
1: I, I can think of two instances just really quick one was on uh uh my honeymoon with the ex we had a dude in canada uh, uh william the late william april talked about thin slicing right mm-hmm. <clears throat> and Like, I can't tell you for certain, but what I can tell you is this dude was or is becoming a serial killer. Um, And I just know that because of the way he parked his vehicle to block us in, the way he tried to manipulate our movements. Um, So, just so many clues and different things happened but I was able to recognize I'm in Canada I don't have a gun on me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was able to recognize that. And I was able to reposition us uh, with the ex-wife completely clueless at clueless at the time uh, and got us out of that. So I finally clued her into what was going on, but we got out of that situation with nothing happening <clears throat> Um. Uh, In other instances, I had just had, uh, and this this is one of the reasons I talk about why I'm not a big J-frame fan. Uh, Not that I'm really not, but I I, I like high capacity. Uh, I walked, uh, just had a knee surgery and a shoulder surgery a week apart from one another. This was a few days after the shoulder surgery. I walked out to get the mail. <clears throat> I had a pickup with five uh, Hispanics in it uh, drive up to my mailbox, uh, and there were several verbal cues that went on between the driver and the three guys in the back. They moved from one side of the truck to my side of the truck, uh, crouched ready to you know kind of spring Now, mind you, I couldn't fight at all. I mean i couldn't even I couldn't even walk, let alone fight, you know. Yeah. Um, I had a, uh, I had a J frame in my left front, uh, vest pocket. Uh, and when all that went down, my realization was <clears throat> that if this really went down, I was going to shoot the driver in the face first, cause he was the boss and just kind of see where the other four rounds wins. <laughs> um, but luckily I was able to, without any verbal communication, Indicate him that I was not the dude to mess with and went on. Um, Did I have the technical skills to deal with that? Absolutely. Uh Uh, But in that situation, the soft skills, as we talk about, were far more important.
0: Yeah. And, you know, that's where we keep going back to. There's way more to the application side of the house than the pure technical skill. Yes. And uh, none of us, Brian nor I, nor Brian nor Wayne Dobbs, in an excellent interview that Brian did with Wayne on, on, on uh, the On Duty Off Duty podcast, or Spencer or I are here saying today, none of us are saying that technical skills is not important. Correct. But we are saying that when you have a reasonable level of technical skill, that there are other things that you need to start spending your time on and focusing on them and trying to get from that 1.2 draw to getting to that 0.99 draw is probably not the best use of your time.
1: Yeah. Now, now I will say this. It's cool. It's cool and, 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 and this is and this is something I yeah. do want to say. Everybody yeah. tries to do it. Yeah. Right? I mean, we we both have admitted mm-hmm. that we spent time trying to do that. Yeah. But we've also spent time doing other things. Yeah. The the difference between a 1-2 draw and a 0.99 nine draw may be 30 seconds with a real technical shooter instructor on you know Mm -hmm. you're doing this stop doing that start doing this etc uh you know i hear brian hill does a really good job of that um you know i do i think i do a pretty decent job of that and 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 many others um but if all you're doing is trying to figure out how to go from one two to nine nine and you're not contemplating uh situational control managing unknown contacts um uh well scripted force on force um do you know do you know anybody you would when i we keep harping on that or i do do you know anybody you would suggest on that for force um, on force for force on force other than like maybe craig douglas's amos or ecqc
0: oh well, well first thing i'll say is one of the detractors you know the questions some of the stuff that was said in the, the video with, with uh Brian Easter and i on his web page has the first thing on it is a review of a craig douglas class and so i just asked you did craig time any of your draws yeah
1: right.
0: <laughs> yeah um the best bar none the best force on force class that i've seen running around in the private sector world is called rent
1: okay uh, uh, and I, and yeah uh, I have taken some stuff from Carl and it has been spot on. So right. uh yeah. yeah, I would definitely recommend
0: that. Um now I want to also throw a shout out here to John Murphy and Murphy's take on this goes well into what we're saying here. Murphy talks about windows. Yes. And you need to know what your skill set is because if you only have a one-second window to do something and you know you have a 1-7 draw, then that's not the time to try to execute that draw. Yes. But if you see a three-second window open up and you've got a 1-7 draw, then maybe that's when you would try to execute that 1-7 draw. Yeah. But that's got to be an absolute positive, sure, one-second draw, not a 1-7 win Everything goes perfect for you. I
1: yeah. was doing
0: a demo in a class in which Spencer happened to be at, demonstrating my signature test for which the details are conspicuously scanned. It's so hard, I can't even say it. And I was doing a demo in a class in Oklahoma, and I swept my open front concealment garment, and the wind blew it closed on me. And I, I didn't
1: I get vaguely remember that.
0: I did not get my draw. <laughs> in the time in which is needed to do to to successfully shoot that test so i did not have the you know that draw speed that day in those circumstances um murphy does a really good job of teaching thinking with the gun yes he does Uh, and he is going to time your draws in that class because he's going to present it to you in that context and it's a fpf training uh, go on on uh facebook go on google him and and find where john's he's traveling around the world in an rv teaching uh classes now excellent 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 material but he's also going to teach you about verbal agility he's also going to teach you about the use of less lethal tools and all sorts of other things other than just the gun is the hammer and there's your nail go hit it
1: yeah 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 i i'd back john up i, I actually took uh took his class uh here in oklahoma when he was here it was it's right. highly educational uh, right. especially for the folks that you know need like an all-around course it's it's mm-hmm. one of the best
0: and i also want to say for the people that just can't get over the one second draw thing you're basing everything on the notion that one pistol round is going to stop your problem
1: I hadn't intended to actually bring that up. Unless it's Uh,
0: a central nervous shot that turns off the computer for good. It's not that shooting that I discussed earlier, where the one guy got hit, went to the ground and the other three shots went over him. When he hit the ground, his blood pressure equalized and he came back too. straight. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Not one shot put him on the ground, but then he came back.
1: Yeah. You know, um, one of the things that I really I encourage our, our listeners to do is take their defensive firearm <clears throat> and go hunt deer or especially hogs with it. Yes, hogs. I, I have killed a number of hogs with uh, my Glock thirty-five and my Glock thirty-four, uh, and guess what? All of them had in common. I shot them once, maybe twice and had to go look for them they all ran so let's say they let's say in in one instance uh which was just which was so cool i was guiding a guy from san francisco and we had a a group of hogs run across the truck in front of us and i threw the truck truck bar bailed out and shot two of the hogs and he was in, in the truck, just in absolute bewilderment, you know, cause he didn't know I was armed, <laughs> didn't know where the hell I went. <laughs> um, but both of those hogs were not anywhere approaching the size of, of an average human male. And both of those hogs ran in excess of 50 yards before they piled up. Now that several seconds. So the, so the, so the idea that the, well, I'm not against the sub one second draw, and I believe it will help. Right. It's not going to be the final solution.
0: Right.
1: I will add to this, though, uh, through a bunch of videos that I have watched, surveillance videos, people that I have talking to, uh, <clears throat> is the vast vast majority of time the first person to get hits wins yes
0: yeah the first person to get uh quality hits wins
1: uh, yes yes yeah yeah
0: Uh, so
1: there so there is a thing that one second draw stroke can really really help but it's not the end all be all that a lot of people are saying that it is right
0: now To go along with all this, and I just thought of this as we were talking, uh, in 2020, I ran an experiment at the Rangemaster Instructor Reunion. Now, to attend the reunion, you must already be a Rangemaster Certified Instructor, which means you've already shot at least a 90 on the FBI qualification and at least a 90 on the Rangemaster qualification and passed the written test with at least a 90. So to even attend the event, you had to be at that level uh
1: and that class is no joke
0: right um which by the way again no slam on tim Heron, but he's a grandmaster and he didn't win top gun at the class right all right um i ran an experiment and we had 25 participants and we used a range with turning targets so it wasn't done with timers because i could put them all on the line with turning targets and we had an eight inch circle up on the target and um the first round of this was when the targets turned, you had to draw and fire one shot into that two inch circle in eight seconds and under two seconds, because you know, it was on turning the turn and they were gone in two. Um, of these instructor level people, only 19 people is advanced to the second round on that. Then we put up two eight inch circles on the turning targets. Uh, labeled one and two and i had everybody draw uh, strips of paper that had a code word written on the paper strip of paper and just before the targets turned, i said like if you have the the word red you're shooting targets number one if you have the word black you're shooting target number two and then the targets turned because then they had to discriminate which one's the number one and which one's the number two. And of the 19 people who advanced to that round, only 17 people made it in under the two seconds. And so, you know, only 68% of the people that started out in the test completed it.
1: Right. Right.
0: And these are all high level shooters that are well beyond the average proverbial or typical Proverbial gun owner walking around in the world, Uh, and then of the the nineteen that made it to the second round, only eighty nine percent of those passed. Yes, the test. Yeah, Uh, I thought that was pretty sobering.
1: And I, you know, i hundred percent would agree with that. And what I would probably add to that is kind of what we're striving for. I would suspect the people that were the the higher end technical shooters was the ones that could survive that test right right. And, and here's the
0: other thing with that it was a shoot test correct there was no shoot no shoot decision in it right now what if we put you know added a variation to that when the targets turned, if your target's not on there you don't draw and shoot yeah or you don't draw
1: yeah you know that that's uh that's actually one of the things uh I think is so prevalent in the industry today is I have my students at least a few times during the class draw their gun and not shoot it.
0: Yeah.
1: You know. Well, I document
0: uh, and, I document it in a course of fire.
1: Oh, so you go even farther than that.
0: Yeah. yeah. And it's yeah. part of the graduation test.
1: Nice. Nice. Yeah. yeah.
0: And it's it's documented and not only that i'm watching to make sure that your muzzle is not actually covering any part of the target
1: you know farnum told me john farnum and for those of you that don't know it john's been teaching uh back from the the early jeff cooper days you know uh,
0: since he came uh, back from vietnam
1: yeah there you go there you go uh he came back from vietnam disgruntled because of the firearm training that he received in the Marine Corps, uh, it would be a good way to sum that up. And he has been a disciple of firearms training since then. Mm-hmm. He said about one in 20 is the difference between a drawing your gun and drawing your gun and shooting it.
0: Right.
1: So about if you live long enough to have encountered more than one in 20 incidences of you having to draw your gun and present it, that you would actually draw your gun and shoot it. Right. You know, so
0: yeah. Uh, uh,
1: Gary, how, how that works out. I don't know, but you know, there, that's a thing.
0: Yeah. Uh, Gary Cleck's name has come up in several recent podcasts. He was a professor at Florida state and their criminology department and For academic snobs, Florida State's criminology department is one of the better criminology departments in academia. Um, He did a book on the defensive use of firearms, and he tried to quantify the number of times in which a firearm was introduced and not shot. And like it was an amazing. And I don't want to quote the percentage because I don't have it right in front of me. But it was an amazing number of times in which people actually even introduced firearms and the bad guy ran away without. Yeah. Now, yeah. I will argue that the better in which you introduce that firearm is going to, do, you know, play into that if you look like you know what you're doing. Yep. Yep. And that's a technical skill thing. Yeah. If the gun
1: suddenly materializes in bad guy's face. And he has that quarter second to look at that and go, Oh, you know, as yeah. Tom says, the two, you know, yeah, uh, WFs, uh, and to turn and run. Man, that's that's a right. win all day long. But this is where a sub one second draw could be the absolute best thing you could ever do, as long as that sub one second draw wasn't. A draw to that sub one second as the dude realizes that start to turn and you shoot him in the back as a civilian. That's going to
0: have huge repercussions on you. All right. So. All right well we've been going for quite some time here and i think we've we've checked all the boxes that we wanted to, to, to talk about today plus a few more
1: plus a few uh, more
0: Plus a few more. Uh, my standard wrap-up question is there anything that you would like to address that i didn't ask you about
1: uh i, I actually want to uh scan my notes sure uh really quick just to to make sure that there's not anything pertinent that i didn't talk about um
0: While he is doing that, I have been told by the professionals that you should do a call to action in every recording, and I sometimes remember to do that. If you are liking this product, please subscribe to the YouTube channel or like it on Anchor or give it a good review on any of the podcast formats in which you are listening it. Please share the links uh, with, with your friends on social media and try to help it grow and keep it going. So... There's my call uh, to action. Now back to Spencer.
1: Uh, you know, the, the, uh, the one thing I think I, I will leave with, with people is, um, you know, be nice to one another, mm-hmm. uh, have g- developed skills outside of your wheelhouse. Uh, try and do the things that make you uncomfortable. Um, you mentioned John Murphy. Just in his pepper spray demonstration, it made me uncomfortable because it's not something that I typically practice right mm-hmm. um, and I've been at this a while I've been around this so so do the things that make you uncomfortable and don't disregard the the other side mm-hmm. uh as the way this is kind of shaping up right. right. Uh, the, the technical shooters shouldn't disregard the, the thinking shooters. The thinking shooter, shooters shouldn't disregard the technical shooters because it, as we've talked about now for pro- probably well over an hour, Yeah, it is, it is a blending of both. You need both skills. So learn both skills.
0: Right. Uh, so some other recommendations in that area, Chuck Haggard does a lot of great work in um, recognizing situations and then you know, between a harsh word and a gun, everything that comes in between that. Chuck likes to work in that area. Great training, uh, agile tra- agile training and consulting, I think a- is his business. Yes, that's but if true. you just Google Chuck Haggard firearms training, you'll find him. Yeah. Um, John Hearn is now out on the road with a class called Cognitive Pistol, in which you're going to have to, you know, do the d- decision making. You're going to have to apply the technical skill. Stay with the teams in which the terms in which we're using today. We'll take John's classes. John's John's been on the show, you can go back and listen to some of the stuff we've talked about.
1: Yeah, and and uh, um, uh, you know, uh, John and I have been in each other's throats since we met, and you know, and I love John for that. Um, (laughs) in a good way, you've been in each other's absolutely 100%. Uh, Uh I have taken his class, I highly recommend it. I learned some things. As bad as I hate to, to say that that pine
0: cop taught me something. <laughs> uh, we've already mentioned Carl Wren at his force on force classes. Uh, yep. and, and then if you're an instructor out there, Carl has uh, two instructor level force on force classes coming up, which I think he's actually teaming with John Murphy on a couple of those. I know one is in Culpepper at Murphy's range and september or october and then carl's got another at his place near austin texas later in the year so there's still time this calendar year to get into the instructor level class of both of those i'm gonna i'm gonna
1: have to look that one up in texas
0: yes so you know if you're out there teaching you know the application use of firearms or the technical use of firearms and you want to see what the application looks like go to both of those classes
1: Hundred percent.
0: All right. Maybe you'll get your eyes opened, and that wow, this subsecond thing wasn't exactly what I thought it was. Or maybe you come away thinking, man, I need to be 0.75 but, but but go test and, it. And that may determine, you know, like I yeah. said
1: earlier, that may that that is going to be determined by the situation you're in. Right.
0: Go, you test go, go test it. Go test it. it. Uh, I helped Carl with a student level version of uh, his force on force class, and it was fantastic Uh, great stuff great stuff i'm encouraging you to do i haven't advertised any of my classes to you i'm advertising other people's classes to you right all right and and spencer's doing the same neither one of us has a financial interest in you going to other people's classes and we're both we're both advertising them for you. yeah
1: yeah yeah maybe we should advertise ours for just a second all right well with that uh spencer what do you got coming up uh, so, uh, I've got a class coming up in Ohio that is uh, desperately in need of uh, signups, uh, and then a class coming up in Missouri. Uh, I will have some local classes coming up later on. And as we've talked so much, uh, I am an affiliate with CCW Safe. Uh, if you do not have legal coverage, uh, and you're carrying a weapon, the thing I love about CCW Safe is they cover any legal weapon. Uh, you need that, especially in this day and age. If you use the code KC10OFF, you get a little bit of savings and support my ammo habit a little bit. Uh, and of course, Keepers Concealment, we make the finest appendix holsters and uh, concealment gear on the planet, in my honest opinion. <laughs> Uh, So check us out and everything can be found right there at keepersconcealment.com. All right.
0: If you go to my webpage, which is firstpersonsafety.com, you'll see my class listing. Uh, All I've got coming up this year is I'm teaching my trigger management class in September in Red Hill, Georgia. And I think there's one spot left in it. In October, again, at uh, um, the Red Hill Range in Martin, Georgia, in October, I have my inaugural instructor camp. And you have to be a certified instructor already to attend that, and there are only two spots left in that and then I have some stuff scheduled around the country next year and um, I'll be in Virginia in Richmond, Virginia in april last weekend and April first weekend in May that weekend that splits those with my trigger management and um some a, a shotgun class and a carbine class and then in June, I will be in Kalamazoo, Michigan, with one day will be trigger management. Day two will be my pistol craft class, is where you get into my thinking stuff with the gun in your hand, and then I'll be in Ohio later in the year, but they want an opportunity for club members to sign up for that one before it goes public, so I won't go into the dates on those yet. Uh, that's what I've got scheduled for 2022 so far on the road. I don't have my local schedule done yet but uh you know i'd love to see you in my stuff i'm sure spencer would love to see you in his stuff i'd love to see you in spencer's stuff and i'd love to see you in all those other classes that uh that we reference and since spencer gave his code first person 25 will get you a discount with the armed citizen legal defense network and it will get it for your first year's membership and both
1: I, both great groups yeah, Both great groups yeah. uh, uh one other thing i actually forgot um uh is uh i'll be presenting at the uh guardian conference concealed carry guardian guardian conference coming up in uh, Oklahoma City here uh September 17th through 19th uh you've got instructors like Larry Vickers um uh, uh Haney Mahmood some of the other guys uh Steve Moses uh it's going to be if uh, you think TATCON was kind of your thing, this is going to be another version of that, essentially. Well, there you go. Spencer, any last word to wrap up? Uh, man, get out, be safe,
0: get training. Well, people, I really do appreciate that you've chosen to spend your time with us and your time as your greatest commodity. So thank you for your time. And I am that wings guy for first-person safety.